Praise God, y'all. Y'all look so good. Y'all look so, so good. I always say that every time I can. This is the best looking church I've ever seen. Amen. Right? <laughs> okay. Receive it. Receive it. Amen. We've been going through help from heaven the last few weeks. This is our second to last sermon. We're going to be wrapping up really soon on help from heaven. And let me just tell you, I can feel heaven in the room. You can feel a glory and a peace and just a stillness on behalf of God wanting to invite us into more and really reveal to us just the things that heaven is about this morning. The things that heaven has in store for you. One of the things that um, praise and worship prays for you just in preparing the atmospheres is saying, God, give us, give us the places of, of presence that we haven't even touched yet. And in, in my conversations with some of you, I, that's very much what is happening where you're, especially in light of this, in light of this series where I, I can hear week after week, someone saying, man, that message just really spoke to me. I've been, I've been going in that, into that place with God and I've been calling on that promise and I've been calling on exactly what we've been talking about because the promise of the word of God is that he's going to come through every single time, right? That he never forsakes us. He never for a moment uh, tarries. He is always right on time. So I want to continue to invite you this morning as we head into our sermon. I want you to continue to come with that place of anticipation. Praying, God, I want to touch that place of the promise that I haven't seen yet. I want to touch that place of the presence that I don't even know how to ask for. I don't even have the words. I don't even have the creativity, the vocabulary necessary to ask for that because it's just something you're so willing to give. It's something you're so willing to give. It's, it's what he laid his, his life down for. Um, I, I also want to acknowledge Pastor. He was able to, to sit with me the, uh, earlier this week and share just his heart with what this outline for the sermon would look like. So thank you to pastors for resourcing his leadership. Can we just give him a round of applause? That pastors freely give, and I want to give credit where credit is due. So thank you, pastors, for the privilege. Amen. Let's let's get into this here. So just a little a little bit of context before we start reading. It's a little bit of a lengthy passage, but I want you to. We got to get the full picture, right? We want context. We want sound, good biblical teaching. So a little bit of context here. Right? We're going to start. We're going to read about the story of King Jehoshaphat. Right? King Jehoshaphat. He at this point, where we read in Second Chronicles chapter twenty, he is cornered by three different nations who are ready to devour the nation of Judah and Jerusalem. They're absolutely ready and on the attack. And in, in light of the, the size of the army of the nation of Judah, in comparison to these three nations, he's got a big problem. Right? He's got a very big problem. And, it, and you actually read at the beginning of chapter 20 where it says, King Jehoshaphat feared and then he sought the Lord. So what we're going to read here is how exactly he sought the Lord and how he received help from heaven. So journey with me here. Let's read the story together. Second Chronicles 20. Verses 13 to 22 says, Now all of Judah with their little ones, their wives, their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite, the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, this is him prophesying, Listen, all of you of Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus the Lord Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. Say that out loud. For the battle is not yours. 
but gods. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerul. You will not need to fight this battle. Say that. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Say, the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites, the children of the Kohatites, and of the children of the Kohatites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, to, and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Say established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. And when he consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should sing and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. Watch that. And and we're saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And here, this is this is where we end here. Now when they began to sing and praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sire, and had and who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. They were defeated in the praises of a people. They were defeated in the praises of the people. And we see Jehoshaphat exhibit five quick things that we want to keep access to, right? In those moments where we feel cornered by crisis, where we feel like we're being held hostage by, hostage by this situation, we see how we gain access into, into heaven. And so let's look back to First Chronicles 20, 13, that very first verse says, now all, now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. They waited before the Lord. So when you read at the very beginning of the chapter, in his fear, like we said, Jehoshaphat, he sought the Lord. And in his desperation, he invites the entire nation, men, women, and children. No one was exempt from leaning into the presence of God. No one was exempt to say, Jesus, this is, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so incapable of this circumstance to the point that not only did the king have to bow before the Lord, but that an entire nation had to yield and say, Jesus, I'm going to lean in. So the first thing that we see is that he listened up, right? He was listening for the Lord. He was listening for a power. He was listening for a strategy. He was listening for wisdom because he knew that he needed it. Because we understand that when our God speaks, universes are created. When our God speaks, right, when he breathes on dust, that very life comes into existence. That when he speaks, atmospheres have to be shifted and things have to begin to bow down. So in his wisdom, in the in the place of him beginning to feel overwhelmed, he he did not lean into just his earthly reaction, right? Even though the, the scripture is clear that he had the initial response. Fear is a natural initial response in a moment of crisis. But what he did in his discipline was lean on Jesus. What he did in wisdom was say, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. I'm going to tune my ear to God because I know, I know that even in this, God is faithful. That I'm not going to picture my eyes on the circumstance, but I'm going to listen to the whispers of heaven. Right? Because help from heaven comes when I lean in to hear into what heaven has to say. 
Help from heaven comes when I lean in to hear to what heaven has to say for me. Isaiah 55, 3 says, Incline your ear to come to me. Hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. The New Living Translation puts it this way. It says, Come to me with ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. You will find life. Come with me. Come to me with your ears wide open and you will. It is a guarantee of scripture that when you lean in to listen, God is going to speak. It is a promise of scripture that when you become attentive to the presence of God, he will show up because that is who he is. He is not an inconsistent God. He is not a God who is shaken. He is not a God who is shy. He is a God ready and willing to deposit into you the very strategy, the very power that you need for the circumstance that you find yourself in and and listen to this right says you will find life and i will make an everlasting covenant with you that means that when he is speaking he's speaking something into eternity this is not a temporary thing he's not just concerned with fixing the current place that you are in but he's speaking a promise for all of eternity He's speaking a promise for your entire inheritance. He's speaking a promise over uh, every legacy that you will leave behind on this earth. He is speaking over every single thing that you touch because that is who he is. In one word, in one word, that's what he did. He said, God, I'm going to lean in and listen in this place. Second thing here, he listened up. Say, listen up. Second thing, he looked up. Second Chronicles 2014 says, In the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. So this right here is right before Jehaziel is about to prophesy and begin to release the, the victory that God is going to deliver into the nation of Judah and Jerusalem. Right? And we see them look up. We see that in the moment that he, because we listened, that now there was an access my perspective had now changed. Look at what the meaning of Jehaziel means. It says, who looks to God, whom God watches over. Who looks to God and whom God watches over. That means that the one that we look to is also looking out for us. The one that we look to is always looking out for us. That means that in your moment of crisis, when you begin to lean in and to listen, it begins to change your perspective from your pit and into the presence of God. It begins to shift that place and say, I'm not going to be held captive, but what this situation wants to dictate to me that it's going to do, that it's going to take what it wants to do. But I'm going to choose to listen into heaven. I'm going to choose to believe that God is whispering something over me, praying over me, believing something over me so that when I look up, I I behold the eyes of a savior who has already died and gone before me i am beholding that i have the full attention of heaven and the full access of heaven why because i've shifted my eyes up it says that he is the lifter of my head he is the lifter of my head psalms 121 and verses 1 2 and 8 very familiar verse for us i lift my eyes up to the mountains where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And verse 8 says, the Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. There is no place in your crisis that God cannot touch. There is no place in any pit that you could not look up that you, could, you couldn't find him. So in Psalms 139, it says, Lord, where can I go from you? If I'm in the depths, you are there. If I go to the highest heights, you are 
are there. When I lay myself down to sleep, you are there. And when I rise in the morning, you are there. You are there even to knit me together into my mother's womb. So let me tell you right now that if you're feeling cornered this morning, if you're feeling held hostage, if you're feeling like your crisis is dictating to you how far you can see, what your, the distance is, what your longevity is, what you can actually accomplish, let me tell you this morning that there is no place that you cannot look up to and see the promise of God. There is no place in your life that you cannot stand there and say, Jesus, you are faithful. Even here, the Jesus, even here and now, when I look my eyes, when I look up to the heavens, I know where my help comes from. Because the devil knows that if he can lock your eyes, if he can lock your eyes into the pit, that's it. Right? Had Jehoshaphat held onto his fear and locked eyes with the problem instead of the problem solver right an entire nation would have been destroyed but he knew that help from heaven was coming he knew that help from heaven was the only way out he knew that help from heaven was the only place that he and his people had a chance of living so let me tell you this morning you may have been fighting you may have come with a with just a a weariness and a heaviness this morning but let me tell you look up and look up right now because he's ready and he's willing because there's something that he's delivering here for you this morning so say listen up look up show up oh this is a good one y'all this is a good one second chronicles 2016 says tomorrow his is uh he's still they're still prophesying right here in this part of scriptures tomorrow go down against them they will surely come up against up the ascent of this and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness jerul now this is such an interesting passage because what you begin to see is that in that place of prophesying right on top of saying hey this is your victory He's also revealing to King Jehoshaphat the exact strategy of where they're going to be, what the plan of attack is, and how exactly where to overcome them and meet them. See that? He's, he's, he's not only giving you the victory, but he's giving you strategy and exact, pinpointing exactly where you're going to overcome. Right? But the, the, the beautiful thing is, is that he told them, but you need to go. You got to go. You got to show up. And we can be transparent this morning, right? That there are certain things that you've been battling with for, with for years now. There may be things that you're constantly having to chop the head off of. You're constantly having to come back to that giant. And you're constantly having to slay it. And we can grow weary. That weariness can settle into our bones and it becomes a place of conviction. And it begins to establish a, a false sense of foundation, a false sense of truth in us. And we get stuck there. And then when we're not redirected, right, it begins to distort our faith. And we stop showing up. We stop showing up. We stop claiming the promises of God. Because we begin to hear, oh, well, I guess you're really not healed. I guess your marriage really isn't right. I'm going to have to go back to counseling. Oh, I guess guess that sickness really is just going to stick with you. Oh, I guess you really are just going to get stuck in depression for the rest of your life. Oh, I think you just are, right? Because we keep coming back to these things and we think that it's less of a victory or it's less of a Jesus. That's less of Jesus. But the thing is that we can't claim the victory to a battle we stop showing up for. Can't claim the victory to a battle that we stop showing up for, right? 
But when we choose to check in, when we choose to believe that when God speaks, when I look up, right, then when I, that means that when I show up, he's going to give me the exact plan of attack. He's going to tell me where this is going. He's going to tell me exactly where I'm going to overcome. So I'm going to keep showing up every single time because let me tell you, there isn't a single battle that God hasn't already won. There isn't one in the books and there never will be because that's not who he is. He is not a defeated God. He is not a God of lacking. He is not a God of poverty. He is the God that when I look up, that when I listen and when I show up, I know for a fact that this mountain will move every single time. That every single time that giant is going to be slain. That every single time I'm going to overcome that situation. Every single time that I come face to face with my depression or my anxiety or any kind of emotional overwhelming, I know that even there God is my peace because that is who he is. And that doesn't change. That doesn't change. Psalms 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. And he delivered me from all of my fears. But notice again, it says, I sought and he answered. Show up. Let me tell you this morning, show up. Show up in your mess. Show up in your life. Show up in your marriage, even if it's difficult. Show up for your children, even if they feel you feel like they're way they're wayward or they're gone or it's too far gone. Show up in your depression and claim the promises of Jesus. Show up in your finances and say, God, I'm going to tithe even when I don't have it because I know that you do. That's the declaration we do together every single time. I'm going to show up in this sickness and say, No, this will not beat me. No, this will not overcome me. No, this will not dictate to me the condition of my life. Show up and see that God will. And he already has. Woody Allen says 80% of success is showing up. Just showing up. And if there's someone in this room right now, I just feel, I just feel this. It may have taken a lot for you to just show up this morning. Thank you. Let me tell you, the Lord honors you. He sees and he knows in a way that only he does, that only he can I want to invite you. I want to celebrate you this morning. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for fighting. And let me tell you, we fight with you here. That is our heart. We fight with you. We love with you. We cry with you. So say with me, listen up. Look up. Show up. Stand up. Not right now. You're on a breaker. Next time. Second Chronicles 2017 says, Ooh, I'm trying to behave because I'm pregnant, but you know. I'm getting excited. It says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Yes, Lord. Can we just receive that? We will, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. For the Lord is with you. If that does not just shoot up some excitement into your bones to just know, I don't need to fight this battle. All I have to do is stand, as the scripture says, I can just stand and see salvation. Stand and see that God is doing something so good that help from heaven comes when I position myself to stand and to see that God is, gonna, God is on his way. And that he's actually been there the whole time. And this is the beautiful thing is, right, as, as Jehaziel has been prophesying, hey, this, this is the strategy. This is the plan of attack. This is what God is going to do. As the Lord sends them out, we realize he hasn't sent them out to their death, but he's, he sent them out to claim their victory. 
He has sent them out to claim their victory. He has not sent them to a place of, to perish. He's not sent them to a place where they will be embarrassed. He's not sent them to a place setting them up for disappointment. But he has sent them to a place to witness the glory and the power of God. And that's what happens when you begin to stand and say, When heaven comes to help me, I can stand before the nations and claim the promises of God and watch every false idol, every nation begin to fall. Why? Because I serve the God who has full access to glory and to power, who who governs every nation over every nation, who governs galaxies and universes far beyond what I could even imagine when I choose to stand. Ephesians 6, 13 says, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of the devil comes, you may be able to stand your ground after, and after you have done everything, just stand. Other translations put it as, that you, you may be able to withstand, which means the same thing, which is to cause to stand. But the verb begins to take on a different meaning there. It begins to be described as vigorously opposing, bravely resisting, standing face to face against an adversary, being able to stand your ground. And there are times in that crisis when it begins to overwhelm us, when we don't even want to look it in the eye anymore because we're afraid we're going to be overcome by it. But you watch Jehoshaphat look three nations in the eye through the eyes of the Father and say, not today, Satan. (laughs) Not today, Satan. Not today. So let me invite you into a place of saying that when when the Scripture invites you to stand, it's inviting you to vigorously and viciously oppose the attack of the enemy over over your territory, over your household, over your marriage, over your children, over everything that you touch. Why? Because you've been given the authority to. Because you've been dressed in the full armor of God, as Pastor D has been saying, because he's changed it for garments of praise. In other words, you don't wear a sackcloth of joy. You don't wear a sackcloth that says defeat, loser, disappointment, never going to change. You are wearing now a new necklace with a new name, with a white robe before the Heavenly Father that says, I can stand in authority. I can look this in the eye. I can bravely resist it. And I dare, I dare the enemy to look me back in the eye and not watch me fight, not watch me claim, not watch me believe everything that Jesus has and more. I dare him. To come to a place where we say, my help from heaven emboldens me to come to a place and say, I dare you. We'll cross the line, I dare you. Because there is no, there's no stake that he can put in our territory because it wasn't his to give. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. The place that we stand on is holy ground. The place that we stand on is, is land given to us by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Second Samuel 23, 11 through 12. This is the story of David and his mighty men, and they've been plowing through the Philistines, just taking back, taking back everything that God has asked of them. And watch this. And next to him was Shema, the son of Agi, the Herite. The Philistines gathered together at Lay, where, where there, excuse me, where there was a plot of, of ground full of lentils, and the men fled from the Philistines. 
But he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines. And the Lord worked a great victory because he knew his inheritance he could stand. Because he knew that God had anointed, empowered, and released him to take back territory that had been stripped from them. He stood in the midst of that plot and he said, I'm going to stand here and I dare you to cross the line. I dare you to cross the line. I dare you to claim a territory that God promised me a long, long time ago. I dare the devil to look me in the eye and believe for a moment that he could strip me of eternity that he never gave me, but an eternity that was given to us in light of Jesus. So stand, stand, stand in your, stand even in the weariness and trust that I'm not, I'm not standing on my own might. I'm standing on the foundation that Jesus bled and bought I'm standing on the foundation of a God who fought every battle already before me. I'm standing on the foundation that was too high a price for me to pay, that empowers me, that gives me the strength in my legs, in my bones, to say, Jesus, I can claim you even here. I can claim you even here. And this is the, the even more beautiful thing about it is that right when you read it in, in, in Second Chronicles 20, all it says is position yourselves. Position yourselves to stand and see. And, and, and realizing that when we position, it's, that's a constant realignment. That is a constant shifting. It is a constant invitation to stay ready, right? When sports teams, I don't know a lot about them, but you know what I've seen, is, right, whenever they're that ready position, there's an anticipation, right, so that the moment that they're, the moment that there's whatever that go trigger is, right, they stand ready. They, that's exactly, they, they move right into the position. They know exactly where they need to go. They know, they know exactly where the triggers are, right? They're, they're ready. There's an anticipation. And the, and so the, the, the difficult thing with crisis is that we lose that anticipation. Because we think you can't, you just can't do it again. Or sometimes I don't want to do it again. Right? But we've already been talking about, you got to keep showing up. Got to keep showing up. Got to keep, so when I keep showing up, that means that I can, I can keep standing up because I'm staying ready. I'm staying ready for, for the winds of favor to just blow in the right direction and I'm going to catch the wind, right? I'm going to catch the breeze of heaven. I'm going to catch on to the truth. I'm going to latch onto the promise and I'm going to say, yes, Jesus. Even when everything inside me or around me feels like it's devouring me, God, I know your word is final. I know your word is final. I know your word is true. So this morning, stand up. Christine King, and she was, she's quoted saying this about her undaunted series. She says, the devil on his best day can't defeat me on my worst day devil on his best day can defeat me on my worst day and I stand by that that's something that I constantly claim before the Lord because I know that he holds no weight there's no clout to any statement that he could ever make there's no authority behind anything that he could ever say because he's not a creator he's a manipulator he's a liar he's a thief he's a destroyer there's nothing that he does that will create or give life so let me tell you, the devil on his best day will not overcome you on your worst day because you are a child of God. You are received. You are claimed. You are sealed. You are bought and paid for. There is nothing that sticks. There is nothing that holds true. The only truth that you need to count on that should hold any weight to you is the truth of God. 
So this morning, if you're feeling, I just, I just keep getting this, like, this, this sense of feeling held hostage or feeling held captive or, or, feel, or feeling like you're, you're, not, you're just captive by this situation, let me tell you, you are not. There is very much a God who is fighting on your behalf, praying, believing, whispering, creating things in heaven that you aren't even aware of. And the lie of the enemy is to manipulate your circumstance to distort that truth. To say, well, if you don't see it, then it's not real. If he hasn't done it, then he never will. It's not true. What we see here in the story of Jehoshaphat is that he's faithful every time. He's faithful every time. And not only that, but he's detailed. He's detailed to the plan of attack, to the strategy, to the weak point. He is fully aware of your situation. Fully aware of the unbelief, fully aware of the hurt, fully aware of the disappointment, and even there he wants to be. Even there, that's where he wants to be. And the last one here is set up. Say set up. Second Chronicles 20, 21 to 22. And when he had consulted with the people... He appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sire who had come against Judah and they were defeated. That's the punchline is that they were defeated. And the method that we set up that victory is on a platform of praise because what we begin to see is that praise is a platform where God performs miracles. Okay, Praise is a platform where God begins to perform miracles. And it's such a counterintuitive strategy to send your singers out before the army, right? Because if I were a singer, I'd be trying to hide behind someone with a shield. I'd be like, yo, homie, cover me like, you know trying to block you know trying to block me but what we see is that there was such an authority in their praise there was such a conviction a thanksgiving before they had even touched victory before they had taken the land before they had slaughtered the enemy before they had done anything they had said i'm going to praise you in anticipation of the fact that i know that you are the god that you say that you are that you didn't speak out something void or something faithless but you spoke out in purpose you you spoke out in promise you spoke out in victory and so this is mine and so I know that when I can come out here I'm going to set up my victory in praise I'm going to set up this place of inheritance in praise and the difficult thing is is that here here and now we have somehow and in some way distorted praise as a reward for God after he's done what we've asked him for We set up praise as a a treat for him as though, God, oh, I saw it. Thank you. When in truth is that praise is our privilege. Praise is our privilege. Praise is our privilege. Praise is our privilege. It is our privilege to go before. It is our privilege to go before these things and to say, God, I claim you here. I claim you in the desert. I claim you, Jesus, in the wasteland. God, I claim you when the well is dried up. It is my privilege to praise you because I know that I'm going to position myself to see salvation when I choose to praise. Right? So this morning, if you're, if you feel like you've just been praying over a desert season, if you feel like you've been praying, 
praying over the valley. You've been praying over these dead bones for forever. Let me tell you, you are not praying in vain, but you are praising prophetically. You are praising for a promise and you're going to choose to say, Jesus, I'm going to watch this come to life. I'm going to set it up. I'm going to set it up before you because I know that you are the God who you say you are. So watch this. Philippians 6, 4, 6 says, be anxious about for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. We've all been anxious, right? We've all had worries. We've all had these places that we feel like weigh on us. And I want you, I want you to get just get a little bit of perspective here. You may be thinking, why are we in the New Testament? We've been talking about the Old Testament. So this, because I want you to, to grasp what this is saying. And realize that when he, when we were coming with there's a, there's a way that we enter into that problem, and we realize that the way that we enter into that crisis is to praise, right? But sometimes we get stuck on the supplication, we get so focused there that we forget to to reiterate over our circumstance that there's something that God is still powerful even if we haven't witnessed it just yet. So when you look at the Greek translation of what Thanksgiving is, prayer, presenting your praise with supplication and Thanksgiving, it says it's gratitude. And listen to this part. It is actively grateful language to God as an act of worship. Actively grateful language. That means that our praise is an actively grateful language. So when I'm coming in, when I'm praising, I am actively, I am actively, I'm actively prophesying. I'm actively giving thanks to God for something that I haven't seen yet, because that's how the Bible tells me to pray. It's not just supplication; it's supplication with thanksgiving. It is a coupling of the two. So when I'm setting that up, I'm setting it up together, and I'm saying, Jesus, this is this is the circumstance, but I thank you because you're going to see me through. I thank you, God. This is this is a miracle that I need and I thank you because I know that you're going to come through here I, Jesus this is this is the hope that I need and I thank you because I can feel the winds changing already because that is who you are because that is all that he can speak it is a setting up in that way and Pastor Gary alluded to this a few weeks ago when he talked about the leper and how when he the one leper returns out of the ten and he shared with us that in, you know, Jesus asked him, "Well, where are the others? Where, where did, everyone, did not everybody get healed? And not every right? They all had experienced the same thing. But because he returned with thanksgiving to rejoice with the Lord in the healing he had received, right? It says that not only was he healed, but he was made whole. Not only was he healed, he was made whole. So not only did you know, not only did Jehoshaphat inherit the, you know, not only did he defeat his enemy, but they inherited the land." Right, and that not only it's it's a fullness, it's a fullness that comes when we set up that place to say, God, my praise is a platform for your miracles, and I know it and I believe it. Psalms fifty twenty three says, He who brings an offering of praise and thanksgiving honors and glorifies me, and he who orders his way aright repairs the way that I may show him. To him I will demonstrate the salvation of God. Salvation's coming, and it's already come. The ultimate salvation that you need in this life has already been given to you in light of Jesus. Eternity is already yours. The very thing that could strip us of every promise, which is death, was already overcome. 
already overcome. God has already done it. Help from heaven has already come there. The rest of it is gravy. rest of it is gravy. He's not worried about it. Why? Because he has eternity with you. Like we said, when we begin to listen and I begin to look up, I can set up, I can stand up, I can show up. I can be in these places with the Lord because I've, I've, I'm living now from an overflow of heaven saying, heaven, you come to help every single time. I've aligned myself with the overflow of heaven, with what God is doing, with what he's speaking, with the promises that he has on his strength, on his word, on his dime, on his blood. I can move forward in anything. So as we close, I want to invite you to bow your heads. I trust and I know that the Lord is doing something powerful in this room. Yes, Holy Spirit. Lord, we just we just want to thank you for your presence here this morning. We want to thank you, Jesus, for the miracles, for the hope that's being restored in this room right now. You can feel it coming to life right now in the name of Jesus. You may be saying, oh, God can't touch me right here, way in the back in this corner. And the Lord says, yes, I can. There's nowhere you can go where you can hide from me. You may be saying to yourself, God can't touch me in this anger. God can't touch me in this disappointment. Yes, he can. And he wants to. That's the most beautiful, beautiful part of it. Is that he so wants to. You may be saying to yourself this morning, God, you can't, you can't do that again. I don't want to do it again. And the Lord says, just watch me. Watch me do it. Watch me come yet again. Watch me love yet again. Watch me restore yet again. Watch me perform this miracle. Yes. So I believe that there's something powerful going on right there in your seat. I think God is just doing a lot of things just one-on-one. But I also want you to know if you feel comfortable or you want someone to pray with you, we have prayer warriors up here. We have leadership here who is ready and willing to partner with you. Like I said earlier, we are, we are a family that wants to fight with you, that wants to love with you, that wants to charge at these circumstances with you. So I want to invite you, if you need someone to partner with you this morning, you say, God, I believe, but I don't have the words. Let us pray with you. Allow us the privilege to pray with you. So with our, our heads continue to be bowed and our eyes continue to be closed, I'm just going to pray over us and just, I want to invite you again. There's space for you here. And believe that the Lord is going to meet you. Lord and Holy Spirit, teach us. Teach us into the things. Teach us into your presence and into your power. Teach us, Holy Spirit, how to believe and continue to believe for the miracle. We open up our hearts to you. Like the scripture says, God, in Isaiah, we want to open our ears wide to what you have to say because we know that we will find life when we listen to you. Holy Spirit, you are powerful. 
I thank you for the work that you're redeeming, for the work that you're restoring. We wait on you, Holy Spirit, to redefine. We wait on you, Holy Spirit, to breathe new life. And that help is coming and it has come. We are not overcome. We are not defeated. God, but we are the overcomer. We are the victor. We will crush the enemy with the heel of our feet. Jesus, you are worthy. You are so worthy.